and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about weed control in pastures. If you've got any questions about that or anything going on in your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so with weed control in pastures, I guess let me just first say this. A lot of people talk about, you got to wait till fall, and that's the best time to kill weeds in the pasture. Maybe, maybe not. Let me just share this with you. If you're going to spray any herbicide after your first killing frost, it's not going to work as well as if you spray before the killing frost. Unfortunately, some people get their first killing frost before September 21 when fall officially begins. So my point is, you can't just make the blanket statement of, oh, fall is the best time to kill weeds in pastures. That's not true for the northern U.S. Late summer is a good time. But here's the other thing I want to bring up to you. Anytime you see a weed, kill it. Don't wait for fall. Don't wait for, well, this timing will be better because I think the herbicide will work. Just spray. Just spray. Now, granted, we've got some rules you can't spray when it's windy and you can't spray when the temperature is 50 degrees outside and things like that. You got to have a nice warm day. Wind's got to be calm. You don't want to do any damage to a neighbor. And I mean, so those are the basic things. But I'm talking about waiting for a timing where somebody tells you, oh, it's better to kill it in the spring or it's better to kill it in the fall or whatever. No, I don't buy into any of that. I really don't. Just go kill the weed. So here's why a lot of people say fall is best. They say, well, on a perennial weed, it's going to be storing up water and nutrients down in the roots and you're going to get a better kill of the root if you wait until fall to spray because everything's moving down. That's a that's a great story. I love that story. It's a great theory. I love that theory. Only thing is, I've never found it to be true. I go kill the weed anytime, and you know what I find? The weed's dead. Once the weed's dead, now my pasture does better. My livestock does better, and I make more money. I'm all for making more money. I don't know about you, but I just as soon get the weeds under control, and then you're in good shape. Here's another thing I want to tell you with weed control and pastures. If you're using a residual product, let's talk about Tordon, Chaparral, Milestone. Those are my three favorites. And I'm not saying those are the only ones, okay? But I just want to give you this example. You can go out there with a a real low rate blended with 2,4-D or dicamba. And that's very common. There are a lot of premixes and things like that. You can sure do that if you want to. You can use the product all by itself and use it at a moderate rate. And you're going to get more residual. You might get better perennial weed control. Or you can go with the maximum labeled rate. You can go seven ounces a milestone. You can go a quart or more, depending on the situation, of Toradon. If you do that, you literally could have multiple year weed control. Tordon is going to last a really ridiculously long time in the soil. So you have to make sure you're going to stay with pasture if you're going to go Toradon or maybe some grass crop that's tolerant to Tordon. But, I mean, if you use a quart rate, there's probably going to be a little bit of Tordon left there 10 years from now. With Milestone, it doesn't last as long as Tordon, but it might last half as long, or 40% as long. It lasts a long time. Same thing with Chaparral, which is Milestone and Ally. So 
I'm I'm just saying sometimes as farmers, well, let's let's be honest. Most of the time as farmers, we're trying to get by as cheap as we can. That's fine. I get it. We're trying to do the same thing on our farm too. But every once in a while, when you've got that weedy mess, you've got that pasture where you go, man, every year I'm fighting these stupid weeds. Just have it over with. This is this is how we've learned some of these lessons on our own farm, where we finally spend the money and then we go, oh, wow, I wish I'd have done that five years ago. So if you don't believe any of that stuff, at least try a little bit. We really like some of the straight goods products, Tordon, Milestone, that kind of thing, because here's what sometimes happens. It's just like if you go spray Roundup together with 2,4-D or Dicamba, the 2,4-D or Dicamba will shut the thistle down or whatever perennial weed you're after before the Roundup can get all through the extensive root system. It'll be the same thing with the Milestone and the Tordon. The difference with Milestone and Tordon is they have residual. Roundup doesn't. So... After you get rain, then eventually that tordon or milestone could get down, could get into the root system. You could get another chance to fully kill that weed. But I'm just saying, if let's say, for example, you were only after Canada thistle, I'd go straight milestone seven ounces and I'd be done with it and have it over with. So anyway, we'll talk more about weed control and pastures throughout the show today. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. Right. This one comes in from Kevin. He said you guys talked about yellow wood sorrel as a weed of the week. It's a perennial extensive rhizome system, not easy to pull. And here's the problem. You try and pull a perennial, if you don't get all the roots, it's just going to regrow. And this one is toxic if eaten in any quantity. Yeah, I had this question queued up yesterday and I didn't get a chance to get to it because uh, we got to Well, I don't know if it was commenting. It might be commenting on other people who commented on our video. And I, since I didn't look that up, I'm just reading off a printout. I'll, I'll, I, I looked other up people the saying, transcript of our video because I was like, I, I don't think, go, go ahead. And then I'll well, talk some, about okay, it. Well, get, okay, we get a lot of questions about this. Do you ever get negative feedback about things? Absolutely, where people say, we usually read oh, why go would ahead. you want to kill that plant? That one's wonderful. It's nutritious. It's going to cure cancer someday. You just never know those kinds of things. We get those those <laughs> comments all the time. And so sometimes people the, start responding thing, so to I it. We can, we can because talk about it. Kevin says, terrible advice abounds. But then he talks about the perennial weed and how bad it is. So I'm yeah, assuming but no, he's talking g- about me, somebody else. Give me else's. the thing. Here, 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 here. Okay, so here's what he says. Terrible advice, advice abounds. It is a perennial. It has an extensive root system and is not easy to pull. Look, and we said this in our in our video when we were talking about talking about this on Ag PhD that yellow wood sorrel can also be classified an annual. So it is not necessarily always a perennial, and it doesn't necessarily always have the extensive rhizome system. So let's keep in mind this is a I'm going to call it flexible weed. It can change. So anyway, yeah, yellow wood sorrel is kind of tough. Get it under control. Stay tuned. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel soybean bin, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 900 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hard-working Lucento fungicide. 
control the toughest diseases with a dual-mode-of-action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucinto fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all legal directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Talking weed control in pastures on today's Ag PhD radio show. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to start off down in Nebraska. I got Jerome Otto on with us from Corteva. Jerome, how are you doing? I'm good. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I love this topic because, you know, we talk about some of these, let me just say, weak products trying to knock out annual weeds and other crops. And you think, man, it's so frustrating. But when with pastures, especially permanent pastures, Man, we can use some strong products with great residual and and really do a number on even the toughest of perennial weeds. So I, I like it. This is one of my favorite topics. Well, that makes two of us. And as you know, fall is a good time oftentimes to be treating our weeds in the pasture. If you're dealing with perennial or biennial weeds like Canada thistle, they're putting those energies down into the root system. So if we have a fall where the weeds are actively growing, as you say, we can come in with some good herbicides, find some good timing, and uh, research has shown that for every pound of weeds we take out of an acre, we get a pound to a pound and a half of more forage coming back. So it really does set us up for next spring. You know, when we look at actively growing weeds, and you happen to be in the state of Nebraska, uh, I just think about the drought that we've gone through. And what a tough deal when you've got pastures which are almost 100% dry land, and you've got no rain coming. It's really tough, and even the weeds are kind of struggling with this. When we actually have caught some rains now here late in the summer, we've got actively growing weeds. To me, I'm just looking at if I've got an actively growing weed, I don't really care if it's August or September or whatever. I just want to take my shot and knock that thing out. Absolutely. If I look at now versus 12 months ago, and I'm not saying we're out of the drought because, as you know, we still have areas that certainly do have but we're in much better shape now than we were 12 months ago. And so, you know, to your point, if you've got a situation like last fall where it's a severe drought, then maybe we pull back on the rains, but with, or the, we, we pull back on, on treating them. But if you look at it now, it really is across much of the geography that your listeners are in. I believe this fall is going to be a much better story to tell. 
Yeah. One thing that we get concerned about, Jerome, is frost. And I know we're a little bit further north than you, but our frost window isn't all that much different than down in Nebraska. Uh, talk to us about that. We we generally say if we're a couple weeks ahead of that first hard-killing frost, we're in a great spot. What, what kind of guidelines do you use? Well, you're exactly right. So two things I would point out to your listeners. One is that in, uh, again, with those uh, perennial weeds, up until that hard-killing frost, you're, you're in, in good shape. Uh, once you get that hard-killing frost, not only will you be getting subpar weed control, but we also want to be careful that we're not treating a pasture that's under severe stress, whether that be from drought or frost. So between now and that first hard-killing frost, uh, great time. Once you get that hard-killing frost, probably time to put a stop to it. And I would say if your listeners are unsure as to what, uh, what that timeline is, get a hold of your local uh, commercial applicator. They'd be able to give some good guidance on that. Well, you've got some great active ingredients in the Corteva portfolio to work with, Jerome, and you got some nice combination products. Uh, talk to us just about some of those key products. I know you've got a big portfolio, but what are the key ones that our growers should be looking at to knock out some of these tough weeds in pasture? Sure. So Duracore is what I would call our foundational pasture herbicide. Um, if you look at all the weeds that are out there, there's no one program that will do everything for everyone. But when you start with Duracore, that is a very good foundation upon which to build. Some of the more tried and true programs, depending upon what weeds you have, we have Tordon, which as your listeners know, if you've got leafy spurge, that's a good one to go to. Um, we've got Grazon PD3, which is a combination there. And so when you look at it, the first thing I would have your listeners do is take an inventory of what weeds they have. And if they're not sure, reach out to us and let us help you build a, uh, a program that'll meet your specific needs. All right. One, one more tough one for you here, Jerome. Brush. Uh, we've got some guys that say, oh, my goodness, I've got all this brush that's out there. And it's it's a lot hardier than, than many of the weeds that we're fighting. What do you do differently with brush? Can you just spray it with a, one product? Do you have to cut, stump, treat it? Uh, do you need surfactants? Talk about the brush just a little bit. Sure. I'll start by saying brush is a very prescriptive program. And what I mean by that is, uh, if a grower has brush, it really depends upon what they have, how thick it is, and what height or stage of growth it is. And those uh, methods that you described, all of them are going to be appropriate depending upon how they answer that. So, so this is one where I tell people there is no one blanket program that will cover it all. Uh, you know, again, depending upon species, height, thickness, those types of things, we can get a solution to you. It's going to vary so much depending upon what they have. It can be very, very challenging, but then very rewarding when you get it correct. Yeah, there are some really good products out there. Many of them are, are under the Corteva brand. We're talking with Jerome Otto here. Uh, you mentioned Duracore, that foundational product. Uh, just one last thing here. I, I know a lot of growers are used to using 2,4-D type products, the old amines and esters. Uh, between Freelex, between the new Rinscore, between all, all the different products that you've got, there have been some big advancements there. Our feeling is we should really just throw out amine and esters even 
options anymore. Why, why would you use that stuff? Talk us through that real quick. So one of the big benefits, and, and I talk about DuraCore being the foundation, but when you mentioned Freelex, that, that choline-2,4-D with the lower volatility, what it allows us to do is to, many times there are specific weeds that by adding 2,4-D, you can improve or sharpen the weed control. And by going out with a choline formulation, it allows to keep that um, volatility low. And so it keeps the product where you put it and it doesn't get up and move. So there are times when you will see that we'll recommend that being added to the tank mix, depending upon what the weed species may be out there. And again, this allows us to do it in a way that, that really lowers that volatility concern. Yeah, there's there just some great options out there for knocking out weeds. We're talking weed control in pastures on today's show. Uh, and our first guest just knocks it out of the park. Jerome Otto, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. It's a pleasure to be here. appreciate your time. Got a question here from Mike over in Minnesota trying to establish some grass. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing pretty good yourself. We are doing well. What can we do for you? So I've called in uh, two times, and uh, I did uh, send you guys an email. Uh, I am by far the best weed grower you've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know. My brother Brian's pretty good, Mike. He really is. <laughs> uh, it's gotten to the point where it's almost laughable. I see grass growing in the cracks of the highway. I got beautiful black fertile dirt, and it's got nothing. So give a real brief background. It was planted late by a contractor. We came back in and uh, tried to control some of the weeds. We were in a drought where we are outside of Mankato, Minnesota. And uh, so the weed, the, the weeds have taken off like crazy. Uh, the seed, uh, the last time I looked about a week and a half ago, still hadn't germinated even. Yeah. Uh, have have you been able to crazy. water it, Mike? Have you been able to water that area, or is it just out away from uh, where you've got yeah, access to so water? I live, I live about four hours away, so uh, watering isn't it. I'm, I'm working uh, with Mother Nature here. And yeah, yeah. see, I, I've got the same time. thing, Mike. I, I got a, an acreage. We did a bunch of dirt work and stuff out there, seeded grass this spring, and honestly, we got some of the grass to start, but not much, and, and we've been really good at growing weeds as well. We've just been trying to keep ahead of it a little bit with the lawnmower so far. We've done a couple applications with Freelex, which has been great. Uh, and that's what I would say. It's a, it's a really tough year to get grass to grow. So don't beat yourself up over it or think you've got a bad spot there. It's going to just take some rain to get that grass to take off. I think what we're, what I'm kind of hoping on anyway is getting a fall seeding done. If I need to put new seed out there to get that growing and get some rain on it this fall, I'll be in a much better spot. But yeah, in the meantime, there's just a bunch of weeds to fight. Do you got a better advice hey, than that? Brian? Well, I, I was just going to say, Mike, hang on for us over this break if you could, because I got a couple of questions for you and I want to talk about this just a little bit more so we can solve this problem hopefully for you. But yeah, I, I mean, ultimately all seed requires rain to grow. We can't ever beat that, but there are some little tricks to make it a little bit easier and use a little bit less water. We'll talk about that right after this. Stay tuned. Insects have rained since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. 
and soybean aphids rain at ridgeback.corteva.us. The hard-working independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example. Talk openly and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health through awareness, guidance, and action. Together, we can uproot the stigma. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. From mowing to loading or even moving snow, a compact utility tractor is ready for any task. During the CNB Summer Blowout event going on now, get yours for zero money down and 0% interest for 84 months. This offer won't last forever, so check out your nearest CNB or learn more at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today. We've been talking about weed control in pastures, but Mike from Minnesota called in, and he has called in a couple other times. And, Mike, I do remember uh, where we've talked about this grass issue and you live far away and all that kind of thing. Um, I, I just made reference right before we got right before we went to break that there are some things you can do so it requires less moisture because like darren said for example okay he seeded this this new area and that's all fine but we have to think of a couple of things number one we want to make sure that we have made our soil at least relatively loose not super loose but i'm just saying we can't have severe compaction or anything like that we want to take a look at nutrients soil nutrients and make sure we have good levels out there to start with then when seeding we want to have good seeded soil contact and it either takes a special drill or like in our case a lot of times we'll just use a grain drill and then we'll go back out and with a roller so we kind of pack things down because a lot of times grass seed is really small and it's hard to get great seed to soil contact well the better seed to soil contact you have and the more 
at that point, you've got your soil not compacted, but at least firm, then you can get some capillary action back up through the soil to bring some moisture up. This is a lot easier like with corn where we plant two inches deep as opposed to when we plant grass seed at a half inch deep, maybe an inch at the very most. So anyway, yeah, it, it can be a real struggle. And then the other big thing is having straw over the top or some type of mulch over the top to basically trap as much moisture as possible and prevent moisture loss from that soil. So that's a lot of times what we'll do. Now, there are some people who will actually... Um, they, they do things like hydra seeding, for example, where you've got like a little fiber along with that seed. I still don't love that. I'd way rather have the seed in the ground. Uh, but the, the idea, again, is just to have something that's going to bring water to it, hold water in there, keep water from getting away. Uh, so personally, my suggestion is seed it really good, have it covered with a layer of something like straw. And then the whole objective, if you want it to grow for sure, is you keep it wet for seven straight days. That's what we've always found. And then typically things take off. Obviously, when you don't have the ability to water, you're in trouble. Okay. So as I go, as I've gone through all that, what do you have for specific questions? What else did you want to talk about today, Mike? Yeah. So I appreciate everything here. Um, we, I've, I'm going to be doing a replant here somewhere after like August uh, 15th, August 20th. Yep. As the temperatures start to cool down a little yep, bit, perfect. and the water weather changes going forward, yep. on the tillage side, as I've been pulling some of these root balls of these water hemp out, yep. very big. Mm-hmm. Um, should we do some tillage, and then do I have to try to gather up those root balls and get all that trash out of there? Will it help me at all? And then, okay, uh, after uh, that, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, after that is um, once we if if we tilled the ground uh, and we got it to the stat that we wanted, is there uh, some type of uh, a chemical we can put down to keep the weed pressure down as the new grass attempts to come, or is that just not an option? Okay, so first of all, in terms of the tillage and the root balls out there, the more big residue, I'll call it, that you have out there, the more problem you're going to have getting seed to soil contact. So the let's put it this way if you're going to be planting this in a week you could go spray you could do anything you wanted to to try to get that residue out there and those root balls to break down they're not breaking down in a week or two weeks the only way is you make them break down with tillage so just without looking at this it's hard for me to tell because everybody um is going to maybe describe the situation a little bit differently. But from the way it sounds, if you've got a whole bunch of these big root balls out there and you've had a a, a real problem with weeds, then I I don't see any way around it. You're going to have to do tillage. As far as any herbicide to keep weeds down, there's nothing. To me, Brian, I'd look at Freelux. I would spray it. I would burn those weeds off. I would let them crumple up, dry out, die, and that makes them much easier when you come through with the tillage. Problem is, if you spray the Freelex, now you've got some herbicide in that soil, which I don't want because that could end up damaging that seed that you've got. So it's possible that could work out. But if you follow Darren's plan, you've got to wait two to three weeks to plant that grass. I'm saying if you want to plant April 5th, or sorry, August 15th, which is a week from today, there you're you're out of time there's no time to do that so if you want to wait longer fine if you don't 
then tillage is, in my opinion, your only option. And as far as is there a pre-emerge herbicide before you're seeding that grass seed, um, there's nothing I know of. Darren, is there anything you know of that we would that you'd suggest? I, I there, there's nothing I can think of nope. off the top of my head. I wonder if, and I'm, I'm literally just spitballing the turf, here. The turf guys oh. may have some solutions, yes. but I, from, I don't know what that would be. the farm side, we don't really have The only thing great. I would, I, I'm, I was just going to say, I'm just spitballing here, so don't quote me on this. And about I'm sharpen? Yes, I know. I was, I was going to look that up. So I, do, I just don't remember if that's technically labeled. I don't think that would cause any problem, uh, but there are a lot of these things where I feel good. It's just, I got to make sure stuff is labeled because I can't tell you to do something off label. But anyway, I don't think there's anything that you can spray. We never spray anything pre-emerge when we're seeding grass and we seed grass all the time. We've got a bunch, we have like, I'm going to call it uh, 30 acres that we've got a seed here in August and we're not going to use any pre-emerge herbicide. I do not find that to be absolutely critical. Uh, however, if there is something, if you talk to some turf guys and they know of something, I'm fine with that. We just have to make sure it's safe to whatever grass seed you're going to use. Okay. So if a person comes in with a Freelex and you torch yep. everything off here in yep. the next week, yep. we'll let it wait like 21 days. Yep. Uh, when I spoke to a local co-op, they had said how to make it in between like August 15th and like September 20th yes. to give us enough uh, time for that seed to germinate. Yes. So if I waited, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, is there... I'm going to say this. I have the best wife in the world. She literally handpicked all the water hemp out of my neighbor's field so we didn't have that crossover and yep. we didn't want to be bad neighbors. Yep. Um, is it worth us literally going and trying to break up, grab these root balls ourselves and clean this up? Is it worth it? Or, I mean, people look at us sometimes like we're crazy, um, but, you know, we're just, we're willing to do whatever we have to do. Is, is the Freelex going to burn the stuff down enough to the point where we don't have to worry about the trash? And then when you're talking tillage, how deep of tillage would you go, like two, three, four inches or deeper? What do you suggest? I suggest making it look clean. So I don't know exactly what that's going to require, but if it doesn't look relatively black out there, it looks like there's a whole bunch of uh, weeds still out there, you haven't gone deep enough. So we got to make it look okay. fairly black. So, I, I, okay. yeah, so that that's the guideline that I would go with. Okay. All right. I, I appreciate that. And uh, I hope I don't have to get call you guys again about this. And, uh, but, but yeah, <laughs> I appreciate I, I, all you guys help. Yeah. I don't think it's worth it to go out and clean up root balls or anything like that. I'd never do that on my ground. So I'd just do a little more tillage and then the, you bury the stuff, you chop it up. It, it'll eventually disintegrate. It's fine. But the key here is we just have to make sure we get good seed to soil contact and I mean, we're going to, it's going to rain again, just like on our farm. It hadn't rained in, felt like forever. I mean, like a decent rain. And then we get three and a half inches over the weekend. Now you don't need three and a half inches to get grass started. What you need is a few days of a little bit of wetness and then you're in pretty good shape and it'll get going. Okay. All right. All right. I appreciate your guys' help a lot. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks. Good luck. Yep. Talking weed control in pastures on today's show. And obviously a lot of the things, uh, that's kind of the fun thing, Brian, about being a farmer is 
not only do you have the farm, but you have wherever your acreage is, if you have some trees. I mean, you got lots of stuff around there. You've got ditches and so forth along the roadside. You've got a lot of non-farm areas that you're responsible for as well. And typically, we try to do everything we can to establish good grass growth. And like we were just talking with Mike there, if we get that grass up and we get it thick and we don't overgraze it or we don't mow it too short, those kinds of things, which I know is easier said than done, especially in drought years, we can really choke those weeds out without having to do a bunch of herbicides and those types of things. And some people think, oh, no, you guys are just the herbicide show. I would prefer you didn't have to use any herbicide. I'd prefer that you could just do rotational grazing with your livestock out in pastures and keep everything down. And that's what we want to get to. We just have to get that grass growth off to a good start. So we'll talk more about weed control in pastures coming up right after this. Corn rootworms are called the billion-dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Stewart EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. Choose Stewart EC Insecticide from FMC. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Are you ready? We got the need! The need for seed treatment! Start your engines! Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. When it comes to protecting your field from disease and environmental stress, there's Revitech fungicide. <laughs> and there's everything else. When it comes to unparalleled power, there's Revitech. <laughs> and everything else. And when it comes to speed and stamina, this is Revitech. And this is everything else. 
Nothing else comes close to Revitec fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. We're talking pasture control, pasture weed control on today's Ag PhD radio show and taking your calls and questions here in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got one of our favorite guests on right now, Rocky Lemus from Mississippi State. Rocky, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, so uh, you heard a little bit of that last call, just trying to get grass established. Man, if we don't have good grass growth, it's tough to control weeds no matter what we do. Uh, yeah, it's very difficult, and I think uh, that's a, an a issue that we face a lot in the south is uh, producers try to establish new pastures in the spring into early summer, uh, trying to control those weeds uh, ahead of those uh, seeds that tend to germinate. All right, so you mentioned spring and summer, tough time to do it. Fall seems to be about ideal, doesn't it, in a lot of geographies? Uh, it is. For, for us, it's for us in the south, if we're trying to establish spring and warm season grasses, uh, we might be getting too late uh, to do that. So usually we look at establishing this time of the year, everybody's getting ready for planting annual ryegrass or small grains uh, ahead of the uh, winter grazing season. All right. So when it comes to weed control in pastures, what are some of the tougher ones that, that you get to deal with? You know, some of the uh, tougher ones that we deal in the south that I would say is uh, probably horse nettle. It's going to be a tough one for us that it, it becomes very aggressive um, early in the season if you don't have a good control. Uh, we deal quite a bit in the southern part of, of Mississippi, uh, Louisiana, and Alabama. Smog grass is another one that is become very prevalent, very invasive in some areas of the pastures. So it's very limited the amount of herbicide that are in the market to control some of this, and also foxtails, either the yellow, the green foxtail, or the uh, or the not rooted foxtail. We have the not rooted is one of those that have the rhizomes, and even though if you try to clip it, it's going to come back from those rhizomes year after year. You know, it is one of the tough things in pasture. We we end up with a lot of those uh, perennial type weeds, a lot of rhizomes to deal with where we think we're doing a great job with uh, 2,4-D or some type of burn down on the top, but we need something that actually gets into the root system. And there aren't a whole lot of products to choose from that do that. No, you know, that's, that's a limitation that we have, especially when, <clears throat> when it comes to controlling foxtails in, in, in our pastures. I think that we have so many little opportunities to that there's not a lot of herbicides out there that have done a good job with that so most of the times we have to tell producers to go ahead and clip those those pastures ahead of seed formation so you can keep it under control you know cattle might graze or nibble on those when they're young and early in the season but when they start to mature they will not touch it yeah yeah that that's the other troublesome thing is a lot of these weeds just aren't very palatable for the animals so they get left and everything else gets grazed off and it has no competition and uh and hey you know what if the animal hung around there it probably got some fertilizer for the plant too and and that makes it also tough to fight so what are some of your favorites what are some of your favorite methods or if you had to use herbicides what are some really useful ones in your area you know uh some of the uh, products that contain aminopyrrolate have done very well for us. Uh, you know, if you're trying to control um, horse nettle, control other weeds that are in your pasture, horse, a grazing next usually does a good job. 
And one thing that we see with Grayson next is that they have a couple advantages when it comes to uh, to cattle grazing because <clears throat> excuse me because doesn't have a grazing restriction. We see a lot of unit uh, use early in the season. Uh, one thing that I tell producers sometimes is, is you're going to apply this herbicide is making sure that um, that you time it, that you schedule fields so you know what weeds you try to control. So when you do the application, you're going to have a more broad spectrum control. We can do that early in the, in the spring into the summer. Once we get this late in the season, uh, the weeds that we see more often coming into our pastures are parliament uh, or woolly cotton, what we usually call go wheat. So it's a little bit different uh, approach because your window of application is going to be much smaller, but also because you're trying to prepare to either oversee those pastures with annual ryegrass and clover, or you're trying to break that ground to plant annual ryegrass. So in those cases, you have to be more selective on the herbicide that, that give you a short residual that you'll be able to, to uh, replant uh, some ryegrass or fescue or, or clovers into those into those into those pastures, and then we, we might be switching to some products like a 2,4-D with triclopyr, or pasture guard, or um, pursued or triclopyr itself to actually be able to to accomplish that. When it comes to smut grass, is hexazinone the best solution, or is there anything else you found that works well? And, no, hexazinone, which is Belpar, is going to be the only approach that we have for controlling. Um, a small grass, uh, and it does a good job. You know, another another way that we have approached this also is trying to utilize a combination of herbicide and grazing management. And we had done that a couple of those demonstrations and, and research on this is that um, if you come and put a heavy stocking rate, for example, in in a pasture diet by hay grass and and small grass, we can put a stocking rate that's heavy stocking rate in, in early June. We can graze heavily expose those those clumps of the um, of the small grass, and sometimes using a weed wiper with a 50% solution of glyphosate had given us up to 90-95% control. But you had to have that managed approach, otherwise you can just go with hexazinone. The only recommendation and in warning that I give producer when they use hexazinone is you're going to have a two-year uh, replanting restriction in those pastures. So you need to be aware of that limitation. Well, sometimes when you have the tough weed, you just have to take the tough pill as well and uh, get it out of get it out of there, so you don't have to deal with it down the road. We do get some smut grass questions, and I'm glad we aren't fighting that up here in the north. But hopefully, uh, hopefully, you guys do well on that one down there. Uh, Racky, uh, anything else you wanted to add today uh, as we talk about weed control in pastures, and especially as we kind of get towards the end of the summer here and head towards fall. Well, you know, one thing is, you know, I, I always tell producers you need to plan ahead, you know, especially uh, make sure that you do good scouting of your fields, not get to know your weeds. If you get to know your weeds, you'll be able to then select a herbicide that is going to have a broad spectrum, where it's going to be more economic in the long term, but also making sure that you're doing those timing applications. You know, a lot of producers sometimes want to do those applications of herbicides when you get into already the uh, reproductive stage, you might be too late already. You might be controlling the plant that you have in there, but you already have seed bank that might be available in there for, for germination and viable for the next cropping season. So trying to control those weeds in that vegetative stage is going to be very important. 
Talking with Rocky Lemus here down at Mississippi State. Rocky, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Uh, thank you for having me. Have a good day. You bet. You too. Yeah, some tough weeds in the south. We got some tough weeds in the north too, Brian. And, you know, we have a short season. It seems like they can get pretty aggressive up here too, trying to get to seed. We get a lot of questions around, well, can I spray it? It's already got a seed head on it. Will I destroy that seed? And my answer is no. Well, some you might, of it though. You might ding well, some of it up, but not yeah. all of it. Okay, so think about this. This is why we don't like pre-harvest burndowns if you're raising anything for seed. You will hurt the germination. That's like that's a guarantee. But you're not going to kill all the seed. You're probably only going to kill 10 or 20% of the seed. It all depends on how early or how late you end up spraying. We always want you to spray as early as possible. And this is, again, why I'm going to tell you what I started with today. Don't wait for fall. Spray as soon as you can. When you see weeds out there, go get them. Go get them. Anyway, with these tough weeds that we're talking about, there are a lot of options now. Many are different than what we used to have. I'll give you one other example here too. So let's just say you're after some general annual broad leaves and maybe a few biennials. You could use Distinct. You could use Duracore. Neither one of those was an option years ago. Distinct is status without the corn safener, and it's like one-third the price of status. It's great. Maybe even one-fourth. It's awesome. So that's fantastic. Fantastic. There's also, but that that doesn't have long residual. It has, you get maybe a couple weeks worth of residual, week, something like that. Okay, it's got a little bit of dicamba, it's got diflufenzapir. Then you have Duracore, it's got a 2,4-D replacement product, so we don't have to worry so much about drift. And it's got Milestone. So I'm super interested in that too. Um, it, It just depends on your situation and what you're after, but there are some newer technologies out there and some things that we want you to take a look at. Stay tuned. We'll talk a little more about pastures right after this. The success of next year's harvest begins with this year's harvest. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. 360 Chain Roll is a simple replacement stock roll for your corn head. Chain Roll doubles the rate of stock breakdown. It crimps and cuts tough stalks to boost microbial activity and speed breakdown. And compared to chopping heads, it reduces emergence issues in next spring's crop. See 360 Chain Roll in action at 360yieldcenter.com. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. 
Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spend spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Talking pasture weed control on today's Ag PhD radio program. And if you have a question, you can give us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD or email us radio at agphd.com. Got a question that came in from Nolan up in north central North Dakota. He said, we've used Tordon for spot spraying to control leafy spurge, but we've never done a full pasture application. Question, is there concern of damaging the pasture grass if I use a full rate of Tordon or Milestone? I'm trying to control buckbrush, no. wormwood, and goldenrod without damaging the tree rows that we want to keep. Also, <laughs> do you have a chemical preference for my weed situation here with buckbrush, wormwood, and goldenrod? Yeah, now this is why it's important to read the entire question because if we stopped and said before the tree rose right before yeah if we stopped with the first part of the question is there a concern for damaging the pasture grass phase of full rate of tordon or milestone no there's no concern but then when it gets to without damaging the tree rose we want to keep uh you're done tordon milestone well tordon okay. for sure now isn't hold, on. hold milestone on might let's just say the pasture is 160 acres and the tree rows are way on one end right now then we can talk. And let's okay, just say we're in north central North Dakota and the trees are like 20 feet tall. So we only have to stay 50 feet away from the yeah, trees? I would, I would stay triple the height of the tree away. They always, the, the old rule has been if a tree is 20 feet tall, the roots will be going out 20 feet. And then for safety, we say 40 feet. If you're talking toward under milestone that's going to be there for five to 10 years, you got to figure even more. So I would just say triple the height of the tree. That's how far away you have to stay. So to Darren's point, could you use Tordon or Milestone? Yes. Otherwise, if it's going to be close to the trees, then we're talking three times a year with Freelix. Okay. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you, you just, it depends on the trees. And I, I know I was working with a farmer that had tree rows sporadically through the pasture and he wanted to have great protection for the animals and this kind of thing. And I thought, you know, it's awesome for you. He's like, so what are my weed control options? And we just took several of them right off the table when you had trees all over in the pasture. So it is just a little different deal. You still can get after weeds. Let's just say you're limited to something like Freelex. You're just going to be doing it a couple of times a year, probably every year. Three times. Yeah. Three times a year for three years. And, and 
after the, the three years are over, you'll have those weeds very, very much reduced. So you just have to make sure you're using full label rate and you're spraying as timely as possible. And, and by the way, in North Dakota, I need to mention this. Timely, when, when you might think early, yes, but we want the daytime temperature at least in the 70s. We want the nighttime temperature at least in the 50s. If you don't have that, don't spray. So that's where, again, a lot of people will say, oh, spray in the fall. In North Dakota, I'm never going to recommend fall spraying. It's too late. It's too late. You're not get with 240. You're not going to have good enough results. So, sure, if it's toward under milestone and you're counting on the residual to last, that's a different story. All right. Got a comment here that came in from Gary. He's up uh, in northeastern North Dakota. He said, hey, guys, uh, I'm not a farmer, but I have relatives that, that have been farming, and I enjoy your TV show. Just want to let you guys know you do have a lot of relevant content for me, such as your, your lawn and garden tips. Always something interesting I didn't know before. Thanks for your show. Hey, thanks, Gary. We really appreciate that. And, you know, we do we do try to talk about a number of different topics, and they certainly relate to lawn and garden uh, discussions as well. Got this one from NJJ. Uh, I'm in India. I would love to see you make a channel in our language. Boy, Brandon and I only speak English and that's, that's probably it for us. But if you would like to uh, use our content and do some translation, uh, more power to you. We do appreciate you checking out the show though. I uh, get a Another pasture question here. This one comes in from Harlan. He said, I've got a 30 acre field, well, I guess kind of pasture, CRP. So you got 30 acres of CRP in Minnesota, and it's just lousy with Canada thistle. Two years ago, we sprayed it with three pints of a product that contains 2,4-D, MCP amine, and dicamba. And it didn't completely kill the thistles. So later that fall, we sprayed with a quart of curtail, which would be clopyrrolid or stinger plus 2,4-D, plus another quart of 2,4-D. Uh, both applications, we used 20 gallons of water to try to penetrate through the canopy. This year, I mowed the patches in June before the buds opened, and again, July 19th, because I didn't get everywhere. Um, and on August 4th, I mowed the entire field, and there were thistles going to seed all over the place. What can I do to get rid of these thistles for good? I'm afraid there's a lot of seed out there already. CRP, but did he say grass or legumes or what? That would be the question, Harlan. What do you have growing in there? Let's let's take well, it. Wait, no, stop. I can already answer this question because it's got to be grass. If he's already sprayed two four D twice, true. MCP and dicamba and stinger, yeah, there's no legumes left. So I already answered my own question. Anyway, uh, yeah, just go out there with seven ounces of milestone. You're done. It's literally that simple. I know it costs more money, but so what? Then you think of all the work you've done and all the way that you've spent so far. And so this goes for everybody that's listening to the show. This is why we talk so much about these good, more expensive products. I'm not saying you have to do it all the time or it fits for everybody, but there are situations when you go, okay, I'm looking at a lot of darn thistles out here. I don't want to see them again. I don't have trees next to it or anything else. This is literally just CRP. Help me, please. Um, Tordon's great, but Milestone's the best. So Milestone is the best on thistles. You go out there with seven ounces. Your thistles are gone for this year. And you might have a few stragglers that come from seed next year. If I'll, I'll put it this way. If you hit it again next year with another seven ounces of Milestone, you really shouldn't see much for thistles hardly ever again. All right, thanks for the question. Good luck to you. 
Got this one from Tyler, and he said, I've got a question for you about 2,4-D. I need to spray broadleaves along the banks of a lake, and I would like to keep the grass. So I'm just curious about 2,4-D and about aquatic life. I want to be safe to the aquatic life. What would you no, suggest? Read, his, read I- his statement. What does he say on the aquatic life? He says it kills. Yeah. It can, it. I'm, I'm concerned about 2,4-D. It can be toxic to aquatic life. Right. No, it can't. It's not toxic to aquatic life. All you have to do is get an aquatic labeled 2,4-D, okay? So then you're legal to spray it there. Even if you were spraying regular 2,4-D, though, please don't buy into all this stupid talk about people saying, oh, 2,4-D is Agent Orange. No, it's not. 2,4-D, yes, it was a component of Agent Orange, but Agent Orange was only... Kill, it was only hurting people because it was, number one, sprayed off label right over the top of people. And two, it was contaminated with dioxin. That's horrible. It's terrible. So the 2,4-D isn't going to hurt anybody. It's not going to hurt any aquatic life. So I'm not worried about that. But we have to make sure we're always doing stuff that's on label. So that's why you have to buy an aquatic labeled 2,4-D. And there are plenty of them out there. Lots of companies sell that stuff. Then you're in good shape. Got this question from Aaron up in Northeast South Dakota. He said, I was going to fertilize established alfalfa and this fall, and I need to include some sulfur. So I'm curious, is elemental sulfur a good source, or is ammonium sulfate better when I'm putting it out there for my alfalfa? Ammonium sulfate. With the elemental sulfur, I'm not going to say it's bad. It's fine. It's just going to be a slow release. And we don't know exactly how long it's going to take to release. What you're looking for is a product that's got a small particle size. And if you say, well, I've got three different sources. How do I know which one's best? Here's how you figure it out. Get samples of each of the three sources. Put each one in a little mason jar, just a little sample, and then fill the jar with water. Then shake it around. And then come back tomorrow, shake it around. Come back the next day, shake it around. And if it's still sounding like rocks after a couple, three days, um, that's not great. If you don't hear anything, in other words, it's fully dissolved after three days, awesome. That's the stuff you buy. Thanks for the question there. I get this one that came in from Patrick, and he said, you guys were talking about soil temperature variations, and there are just so many things to be well-educated about, uh, including this temperature variation thing. Good job, guys. Yeah, you're right, Patrick. There are just a lot of little things that go into being good at at everything, including farming. Yeah, and when we talk about that soil temp variation, I was, Darren, literally just typing something up on that a little bit ago. People talk about, oh, we got a plant when the soil temp is 50 degrees and going up. Well, that's great to say, but how about in three days and all of a sudden, as we all know, the weather forecast changed. And then literally our soil temp, this happens to us all the time, it drops into the 30s. Uh-oh, now what? This is why we've got to think ahead, be prepared, have better seed treatment, look at the cold germination score, things like that. So there are ways around this. We just have to be real about the environment that we farm in. Had a fun time talking about weed control and pastures. If you ever have a question for us, weed control anywhere, or just an agronomic question, our email address is radio at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to today's show, and please join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.